Welcome back to episode 40 of the Hockey House podcast presented by Selly Hockey Co., where the Hawaii snapbacks are once again back in stock and pre-orders for the white Trinidad hats are now available. We saw Trevor Zegers rocking this hat last week. Be sure to get yours now because these do go fast. So head over to sellyhockeyco.com in order today. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined by Stephen Glick and our executive producer, David Herman. Herm, how are you doing this week? Good. I got the chance to go up to Bridgeport this weekend. The Rangers and Islanders had a preseason game at Webster Bank Arena that the Rangers won in overtime, 4-3. to three. It was a lot, a lot of fun. So, Herm, now I have the opportunity to ask you because I know you were really passionate when the Bridgeport Sound Tigers rebranded. Thoughts seeing it in person? Horrendous. Terrible. Vocally hated it. It sucks. That Bridgeport Islanders logo is one of the worst in hockey, and it makes me upset. Second question, thoughts on the Rangers <laughs> releasing six alternate captains today? That also makes me equally as upset. I am not happy with that. The Rangers play with my emotions too often, and it's not fair. We'll leave it at that because this is an ACHA podcast, but I know Herm is just very passionate about those two subjects, and those those worlds collided today, so figured we'd have to bring it up. Glick, turn it over to you. Are the Owls rolling right now? In ECHA play right now, which is our conference, we're 3-0, top of the conference. We're very excited. You know, Probably can't tell you the last time Temple's been number one in the ECHA, so we're just kind of hoping to keep that momentum going. Speaking of momentum, we talked about it last episode, but Syracuse got thrashed by Stony Brook, hoping to bounce back against Drexel. Big weekend at home. We were informed a couple days before the game that Drexel was not going to be able to make the trip due to some things that they were handling within club sports at Drexel University. Lo and behold, Syracuse gets four points out of the weekend for not playing the game. And so we're back to 500 here. Love that for the boys going into a, a big weekend against NYU here as we travel to Chelsea Piers. One of the more famous rinks in ACHA Division One, and, and not for the looks. Looking forward to that one coming up this weekend. But a couple interesting points I, I took away from this weekend's games i know we were talking about this kind of before we started recording but i've been amazed so far at the amount of blowouts we've seen in, in the acha i know there's been a decent amount in division two been a decent amount in division one and i kind of expected that early on in the year especially because so many schools are resuming play after having not played last year i look at you know example john carroll first game of the season they go to ohio and they play an ohio team who made it to the national tournament so they're walking into a trap that first weekend, you know, I expect maybe JCU isn't going to beat Ohio anyways, but especially on an opening weekend, that's a tough matchup right off the jump. And then another one that stood out to me this past weekend was a team like Delaware who goes to La Haye and gets thrashed by Liberty 10 to one on a Friday night. Good to see the Blue Hens bounce back though and lose three nothing on Saturday. I think that's a huge improvement from the night before, but I want to get your take on it because Glick, I know you had said that you also noticed how many blowouts there have been so far. You mentioned it before we started recording, so I just went on the ACHA website, just looked at the total scores, and I was actually shocked at how many blowouts there were in high-scoring games. And you, you did mention, you know, it does make sense that a lot of teams really, there's a big variety of the amount of hockey they've played in the past year. Some teams played full, like basically full seasons, some teams barely even practice, some teams didn't practice at all. So hopefully eventually as everyone got, kind of gets their legs going again, it'll all, all even out. My high school lacrosse team was terrible. Like we would, if we got into the playoffs, we would barely get in and we would get killed in the first round. So 
my dad used to go through the union leader, which is the like state paper in New Hampshire out of Manchester. And he would look for the blowout of the day in the high school sports scores. And it was like a win in our book if we weren't the blowout of the day, because there'd be like some division three softball score. And it'd be like, oh, like Berlin beat, I don't know, Prospect Mountain 20 to one. It's like, oh, well, we only lost by 18 in lacrosse yesterday. So at least we weren't the blowout of the day. My favorite is, is you know, if, if you get beat badly, just Go on Twitter, hop on the ACHA scores, and just look for a bigger blowout and move on to the next day. As long as you're not the blowout of the day, it makes it a lot easier to move on to the next one. So that that's my advice. Coming from a guy who lost 8-1 on opening night, look for those scores, and if there's a bigger blowout, just move on. I am going to start taking that advice for sure because that's genius. Speaking of blowouts, a game I kind of expected to be a blowout. You, Mary, unveiled their national championship banner in front of a packed house in North Dakota. And they played a a Minnesota team that, you know, I don't know, Minnesota, not really known for their ACHA hockey. The Golden Gophers went on there and put up a really good fight. I believe they had a lead late in the game and you, Mary, had to actually come from behind and, and they won six to four. In that game, Seth Cushing was the latest ACHA guy to score a Michigan goal. I don't know, Glick, I want a goalie to save one of these at one point. They're really cool. They're trendy. Seems like we're posting one of these once a week. I need a goalie to make a glove save on one of these. I think that's the next like highlight we're going to see because at this point, it's becoming pretty standard for those to go in see i feel that when goalies make a save on a play like that it's not really as flashy or really showing off as much because it's not like you can make a flashy save there you just kind of hug the post kind of get your shoulder up there and try and block that top corner so I just I feel like there have it's been saved just you don't really see it uh, on the highlight reels. That's true. I guess I was thinking more of like if a right-handed player does it and a goalie comes around and catches it with his glove, like that might be a top 10 play. I guess the safer play is here right like hug that post with with your with your chest protector, but I'm ready for a goalie to to make a good play here. As a defenseman, I hate seeing these because it's like all I want to do when somebody lifts up the puck like that is just cross check them square in the chest. So I I need I need a save here on one of these. Couple other notes from that game and you marry. I want to talk about you Mary's banner placement. I thought it was pretty cool. I included the picture, but they put the banner like upper top left. Like they had so much room on this wall where they could have put this banner. I thought it was pretty powerful. I don't know if they did this intentionally, but it's like right in the left. Like they have very clear plans to add more banners in the future i think a lot of teams when they win that first championship they make the banner the size of the wall and then it just sits there for 20 years i thought it was cool on you mary i don't know if they did it intentional or not but pretty powerful yeah it's definitely a power move putting it up there and just saying hey you know this is the first of many this whole wall is just gonna be filled with you mary banners the way they play in Division Two, I would not be surprised if it's filled in, in the next decade. So highlights on that were cool from the game, but you know, tough seeing the, the kids from Minnesota not wearing matching helmets. Like a couple of the kids still had their high school hockey decals. I know high school hockey is huge in Minnesota, and that's probably why the boys gave them such a good fight on opening night. But got to get the Golden Gophers some golden helmets to, to match the rest of the team here for, for future road trips. Maybe they can just get the NCAA team's old helmets, or like if they have any extras in stock, just kind of... Just snag them from them yeah i'm curious how that works i feel like there are some teams who do take advantage of that getting some gear from the ncaa teams if anybody's listening to this and they do get their gear from ncaa teams we'd love to love to hear from you send us a dm curious how that works but we did have a showcase going on down in kentucky louisville hosted a couple teams in kind of a round robin round robin showcase to start off the year so the game was being played at louisville's rink but virginia tech's gavin morrison sent a 
Kentucky player through the glass. It shattered the glass so bad, instead of replacing it and getting on with the game, they actually just moved the game over to the rink next door. So there were some tweets from Kentucky about the live stream not working because they had to like change the internet connection and all that. But that's that's a pretty funny, you only see that in the ACHA where they, they just move the game to the next rink over because they don't have a spare pane of glass to play with. And I'm sure there was the uh, men's league game that was late. I'm sure they had some more fans from those teams watching their game. Yeah, you're probably right. We've got an awesome episode for you. A, a guy who's been a, a follower of the show from day one and a huge promoter of the ACHA. I know before we started the Hockey House, uh, Rebirth Sports was a was a big must follow for any ACHA fan just because they supplied so many teams in the league with jerseys. But Doug Green is going to join the show. He's the founder of Rebirth Sports and former ACHA player himself. He kind of got involved in the jersey and apparel business because of the experiences he had as a player. So he was really cool to talk to. And that interview is coming up next. We're pleased to be joined by one of our longtime supporters of the Hockey House podcast, former Saginaw Valley State player and founder of Rebirth Sports, Doug Green. Doug, welcome to the Hockey House. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Doug, we're psyched to have you on. You know a lot about the ins and outs of club hockey in the ACHA just from your experience, not only as a player, but now as a businessman, we're really happy to have you on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I learned a lot on the fly, so I wouldn't say I have an abundance of knowledge. I think I, I picked it up along the way. So especially when it came to schools and licensing and approvals, that that was something in the beginning. I was not to be uh, sound redundant, but it's I was green to it, not to use my last name, but I just had no idea that there was that many levels of things that were that were there. So that's probably the biggest learning curve out of all of it. Let's kind of explain how you got into all of this. It, it starts out with your playing career. How did you end up at uh, Saginaw Valley State? So we were playing, did well. Or, or we had a very good team. We obviously, my last two years, we won back-to-back nationals for D3. Leading up to that, we had minimal support from the school, which is pretty common even now. You know, our football team being a Division Two got a lot of notoriety, had a lot of background and funding, frankly. So when we came in, we really didn't have much. The program had been restarted after a number of years being gone. Through the connections that I had at a previous job, we are near an OHL team and they ended up having just a jersey that said Saginaw. So Saginaw Spirit's in town here near us. And so they had red, white, and blue jerseys, which were our colors, and it just said Saginaw. There were some pieces we had to deal with, but we got lucky to purchase them. Lightly used game jerseys, Reebok ones from years and years ago that we got and we thought, well, this is way better than what we were currently wearing. Maybe we can get them for uh, a part of a season. So the uniform end of it just kind of came as a fun hobby of we found a connection. We did some some fun T-shirts, sayings that our team used throughout the year, which goes on now. But it's kind of spiraled into that in the beginning. So when I graduated, we realized that there was a big void, at least with our program and others, that there was nobody really funding us or helping us. Obviously, a lot of schools are still that way. But when we had the uniforms and played well in them and, and they kind of became our trademark winning jerseys that we just kept wearing as a superstition, carried us through playoffs. And then that year, the league actually had kind of a best jersey of the tournament. And we, we got that, even though we didn't design it or anything. We just, you know, were using something different that was a little more professional looking than what we had pre- previously had. So it kind of sparked something there, but originally it started more as clothing and just fun sports related, obviously hockey related stuff that just progressed into finding ways to produce jerseys and found that that was a, a big niche. Even now that the bigger companies just have trouble 
kind of grasping onto and finding ways to to work within those constructs. In your time at Saginaw Valley State, what was kind of your welcome to the ACHA moment when you first got introduced to club hockey? I was shocked at how many people we had come to our games. We don't have a huge rink, but when that rink's full, it feels like they're over top of you. We had a very good fan base that kind of carried over. We outbeat the football team in popularity as we got better. So that was pretty neat. But probably my welcome, the classic like ACHA stuff would be if you guys have ever played at some rinks where they just have a horrible setup and you're thinking this can't happen at, a, at another rink I, I mean i remember playing for kelvin and we had to wait for the other team to use their showers uh it was on this on a different level so you have all your gear up in one and little things like that logistics that no one ever thinks of you just go there and deal with it so that's something i chuckled about that you go and play and just kind of deal with it where a, a higher team would probably have it all set up and the locker rooms ready and logistics would be handled differently so but from a welcome to that to that I, that would be what i would say and then playing teams where they weren't uniformly set they didn't have anything or they were wearing stuff that was so old you'd think that you're going to imagine the school you're going to play against or see them in a different sport especially football you'd see them and you're like oh i'm going to play them and then they don't look anything like the school it's kind of always been something i noticed but that's me looking at uniforms all the time too so once you got into the business did you have another welcome to the acha moment where maybe you learned something that you didn't know going in I think there was a, there was so many people and places that have kind of grown so rapidly. Obviously, seeing all these big schools have programs was exciting. But I think once I got into the business, the biggest thing was realizing how much infrastructure is involved in a school's approval, a school's usage of logos from every little detail. And one of the things I know Club has all the time, they are always dealing with, you have to put something on that says Club or it has to be differentiating or... In your case with Syracuse, you just I just saw some of the posts where they stopped you from using the logo that they just approved. So that changing every time seems to happen now. And we we deal with that every year where you, th- where you think the biggest and smallest schools, you just had them done. They just got approved. They were just worn last year. And now this year it's, nope, you can't do that. You can't have that. And now your teams are scrambling. So I would say that happens more often. And I just can't believe that happens on you know, a D1 program somewhere where they just say that jersey's completely gone washed. Maybe they have the, the funding for it, but it obviously feels like quite a, a juxtaposition when I've noticed that every single year going through, for sure. Thanks for coming on again, Doug. When did you start Rebirth and what made you really want to start the business? I got done with college in 2010. It kind of started with Sparks there, but really kind of took off probably on a trajectory, probably 2014. From then on, it was just, I luckily through ACHA, I, I had a friend who gave me the opportunity to try to do their uniforms for University of Tennessee. It worked out, but I didn't know anything about licensing. So there was a whole windstorm of stuff that came back the other way and they were like take this down and switch it and you should have used this and that was a welcome to the acha moment or just in general not knowing about licensing thinking the team runs it they handle it it, it was definitely a learning curve but I, I knew that through just a hockey connection of somebody from this area that actually eventually went out to school there for graduate school played they need a new uniform so that's kind of how i got started on a uniform side and then it expanded from there where i obviously did as good of a marketing as you can without spending tons of money to get it out there it was more of a we saw this team play this team. Now it's probably grown exponentially with social media just booming it up. You know, one jersey gets put up a video or what have you on one year. Uh, we got lucky with a couple of our vendors that obviously are bigger names, your University of Oregon, Maryland. When you get those ones and they are handled properly and it, it has the response it does when you catch wind of an ESPN or something else, it has its own legs. I mean, I'm not saying we didn't put in a lot of work. It's just uh, some of that stuff is so organic, you're just not ready for it to happen. And then you're just riding the 
wave as long as you have it. So after University of Tennessee, what were the other first few customers that you had? One of the first was actually Maryland. I reached out to them because their original jersey, not to throw any shade towards what they had before, but they had basically a Red Wings jersey with an old English M because they had all the licensing, you know, loopholes to go through. And it was one of those teams where I was just like, this has the craziest opportunity to do something just off the wall that you're not going to normally see with hockey. Now, did I think, you know, MSNBC, CBS, and a bunch of places internet-wise would pick it up and put up a post of something that we've shared with the team and that they were excited to get? No, but as soon as that happened, all of a sudden we had emails coming through of, we saw this, are you going to do that for fans? Or we saw this, can you do that for my team? And it, it was more like just keep up with responses and keep up with the demand and, and learn along the way almost at, at the beginning stages. Maryland was probably one of the bigger ones. We've done University of Michigan, but it all depends on what you, I guess, somebody would consider big. Here, University of Michigan is one of the probably top ones. But when we got Oregon, which was probably a year or so after that, Vanderbilt, I, any of the big names that I could think of in a football category pretty much started trickling in right after that. To some extent, we've got a lot of the SEC. Florida Gators was pretty early in the beginning too. Obviously, they've drastically changed. But I think when I guess for me, when I think of a sports side of it, it's hard to think of a school and not think of whatever their main sport is. So it depends on the school. Clemson, obviously you think of football, but I think of hockey now, but it happens every time. Syracuse, I probably think of basketball. Yes, but not being in the area. My first thought is, do I know that? Or Indiana, you think basketball before you think, you know, even football. So then how do you mimic something that has that feel. That's always been the fun part when the beginning was, how do I convert this to a hockey jersey? How do we convert this into something that looks legitimate without, you know, making it a million dollars by any means? Yeah, that's also got to be really challenging at the start just because, you know, teams are putting a lot of trust in you to, you know, take care of their jerseys and get them all set up. What was like the biggest hurdle to, you know, like establishing that credibility as you're, you're just starting out? Like, how did you get teams to trust that you would come through with a good product? Some of it was luck. I had a friend that I played with from a local community college that transferred to Tennessee. He had worn a jersey that I got lucky to do there. And then that converted into, can you try something? And obviously I have an art background, not that that's does wonders, but I was able to sit there and throw them 10 designs and say, hey, here's an idea because they kind of had a, a more of an open palette where if you get into a school like Indiana or Syracuse, when they, when you guys came to us, it was more like, well, this is what we want. This is what we know is going to be approved. So some schools are, here's your, here's your borders. It's like inches from where it needs to be. Just can you make this? And other ones, it's, we have no idea. We don't know what they're going to say. We don't know what they're going to like. So some of them are more fun one way and some are easier the other way, but they can still turn out, you know, just as exciting. I mean, unique colors, combos, that kind of stuff are always great. But even doing something traditional like a Harvard or an Indiana that you can't, you don't really have a huge amount of movement in, it can still be very traditional and and look just as good in, in its own way. It's just hard to gauge what's sometimes it's fun to be out of the box. Sometimes it's cool just to, to ride what they want and just provide the product that they're having difficulty getting. Or I think a big thing is pricing. I think a big thing is getting something that just isn't cookie cutter. In the beginning, everybody was just getting, you know, a remake jersey of something that's in the NHL that happened to be in their colors. Even that happens still now, but it just depends on the program. Now it's been a little bit more custom as we go, pulling people from other places. So talking about designs that you've had a lot of hands on, what's one of your favorite ones that you've contributed a lot to? Um, I always go back to Maryland. Obviously, we pulled from some of their football fields with the different shoulders, but that was definitely a game changer from a design side that we just, I didn't, haven't seen somebody do that down the pant shells, down the shoulders. Uh, we tried to trim that out as, as well. Being able to use official logos that were allowed at the time then, it obviously makes a huge difference than trying to reinvent the wheel like you're gonna you're having to do with a logo that looks professional 
original, but yet isn't the school logo, but is taken as a school logo. That's a real tough thing. Maryland just had to switch theirs to where they couldn't use the logo. And we had to make something professional that still felt Maryland-esque or other teams. But I would probably say it's a big hands-on. Thinking about others that we've done, I mean, Auburn was pretty big, but we didn't really change the logo. So if you're looking at it from what we try to do and what has been popular is kind of simple, but at the same time difficult because it still takes steps, is if you got a big program that's big in a different sport and people know you for that sport, you know, if we can take cues from that, whether it's the flag pattern for Maryland because their football team is huge with it and they're trying stuff. Oregon always did some different looks, but that throwback look, they didn't really do very much in football, but it would have been perfect for hockey, which it was. And you don't really see Kelly Green jerseys in, in hockey much. So it pops as itself. It works itself out without really doing, you know, brain surgery, so to speak on it. More hands-on, I would say those are probably two in terms of big names. You have other schools like Michigan that you stay on that path and you either make it this color or this color. That's really your options. But I would probably say Maryland and Oregon were huge um, of being able to do something fun and different. Um there's some other ones out there. San Jose State University lets you do spears down the side, which is different. I'm thinking of the stuff that's out of the box that you wouldn't see on a hockey jersey that everyone gets that winter classic jersey because they don't do it all year round. If there's ways to play into something that's unique there, I think it's pretty neat. Uh, North Texas is doing wings up the sides that match their mascot logo. Even though they're Kelly Green again, it's, you know they can do something unique in there. I think orange it being a color on a jersey like Syracuse is, is huge. I mean... If you can do something with orange on a jersey in general, you just don't see it that much in hockey, and it's a big enough school. I think any of that stuff, it doesn't have to be wild design. It's pretty fun with that, too. Yeah, that's why we we chose to go with the, the Syracuse script on the hockey jerseys because it's kind of the same thing you're talking about. It's a cool look that was very popular with our basketball team in, in the 80s, and a lot of teams are starting to bring it back on campus, but it's not getting used nearly enough. So when we brought it to them, and, and Doug, you walked through the licensing process with me, and we were shocked when they said that we could use that. We were like, oh, perfect. Like, Let's roll with this. Oh, absolutely. I, I think one of the things that most schools, especially in a bigger school, don't realize is that if they have such an issue with disapproved vendors, vendors that don't follow properly, don't do certain steps that they should, there's an ever-changing door and they, they really reduce the amount of people that from a vendor side that they really allow into that realm because they want to control the brand and protect the brand from being all over the map. So when we came in, I think the biggest thing for us in, in that case was just like many of the others is if we just come in and say, we've been in this position before, we understand what you need. We're not trying to flip it upside down and make the jersey purple when it should be orange. That's a big step. I think being able to show now quite a long history of stuff that we've done, it's easy to send artwork and paperwork in and images of stuff whether it's computer or a physical work that we've done somewhere else. I know in your guys' case, you have colors that have to match orange. We're working with Alabama again. They have their crimson 200. It's the same color actually now for Indiana, even though it's a different school. You know, everyone thinks of a different thing, but there's so many little steps there that if you can just bring it to them and say, we'll work with you, a lot of times the school is is pretty apt to say thank you for taking care of us as a, as a, on a visual side or a branding side so that we don't have to worry that that program or that team is misrepresenting us as a brand, as a community. And they usually want you to, like I was telling you before, they, they usually want you to promote the school in a positive light for recruitment, for income, for everything. I mean, you have a bunch of guys that are representing it the right way. You pick up more kids that want to play or just go to the school and it's another fun atmosphere. They've picked up tuition. It's all a positive for them if, if they just allow it to happen through the right proper channels. It's just, it's all over the map sometimes with you go find the cheapest price or this guy will do it here or that person will do it there. You can do it, but then the color's off or the logo is never supposed to be used. That's what we run into a lot of times with people coming to us is 
we're not allowed to use this logo anymore. What should we do? We kind of walk through the steps of how to do it properly and who to talk to, or at least help them with what we've known in the past. And just like with Syracuse, it worked out in your benefit for sure. And I'm hoping that that just continues because you keep a good relationship. I mean, that's huge is the communication for a team with the program to the school, especially on the bigger schools. They scrutinize so much more than, and that's not rude to a community college, but their branding standards are less scrutinized than, you know, a big school that is on a spotlight all the time for sports in general. And and that being said, what are some of your favorite hockey jersey designs uh, outside the ACHA, whether it be college hockey, the NHL, or or international play? Oh, that's tough. I wish the Red Wings would have brought back that multi-stripe Detroit on the front. I, I always get saddened because Detroit always does the same jersey every time. Other than the one that they had with the angled D, and that was kind of different, but I always want them to do better just bias i want them to try to do something wild i always like the throwbacks when they did the uh, north stars vintage throwback the, the retro stuff that they're doing is, is great and the biggest problem is that they usually are doing it to make quick money on jerseys they're not making in a new setup i don't know if you saw phoenix is now going to make their main jerseys again back to the old phoenix back in the 90s which i think is awesome when ronick played and all that those jerseys are wild and, and arizona-esque i think i wish people from a NHL standpoint, would look at it the same way that college does. And those colors represent your region like no other. So when they try to do something different or bring in some twist, it's not horrible. But I think if you can take some of those cues, that's probably my favorite. When they go back to some traditional stuff, most of those retros, the Kings stuff, I think if the Kings were their old colors and they look like the Lakers, you just know that region. You know, it's not it's not used anywhere else. So I, I think they do the same thing with college. you just like, oh, there it is. The majority of your customers are ACHA teams. Do you have any plans of expanding and providing other leagues with jerseys? Some leagues are, are out there. I would love to do some of the junior programs and junior leagues because there's a big following there and, and some exciting opportunities to do something out of the box color-wise or design-wise. The only problem that in the interim that I see is that a lot of those places have a league-wide contract, which can be good and bad. It's just there's a lot of regulations, a lot of red tape that kind of muddy down what we're, we do, good and bad. I mean, it, it all depends on if you're going for the biggest amount of income and taking on a whole league. Sure. Here, there's an opportunity for both ways. It's good because maybe this year we get a whole bunch of teams that are great and new. Next year, there is the opportunity that they could go somewhere else because it's not under contract by any means. But I think the ACHA and, and that league itself um, in general, I think allows for a pretty fun atmosphere to be able to do something different, follow the college trend. It changes all the time. New blood comes in and, and takes over. I think that that's going to be a never ending open door as long as nothing major changes. But people have said, why don't you try to do something for NHL or somebody else? And it'd be great, but people don't realize the construct underneath of how many really millions of dollars it takes to be a part of that. Even when you go to the OHL here, if we want to do something with a local CCM, for example, and it's not to harp on anybody particular, they just have that setup where we could make the jersey, but it has to say CCM on it because that's a league standard. So it's like, do you do all that work, make something cool, and you don't really get the notoriety? That's where it's just hard. They've monopolized a lot of stuff there on purpose, and I get why. So we have so much fun, and there's we're just cutting into a small slice, even in the ACHA that if even if we're at where we're at, I think we'll stay quite busy quite often all, all the time. It, it just, it's a rotating of one school leaves, one school comes back, 10 more come, two leave. It's just, it's always back and forth. 
talking about that that busyness aspect of it, what has it been like in the past year, especially now recently dealing with the global supply chain distributions? Just like you probably see with everything else, the littlest thing that you wouldn't think of affects something along the chain that adds up to something else. One of the things for us to get rolls of material sometimes gets backed up because stuff that we don't even think of, we just get from our our production team, our suppliers, is the dye to, to physically create a color sometimes is is backordered. It's behind. The weight of material that we like to use sometimes can be backed up. Sometimes we'll wait for something from FedEx to come through and it gets sent instead of being a two-day transit turns into a seven or eight day because for whatever reason, it got on a truck that went to California and it was supposed to come up to us. Uh, and it throws off timing for something that we were going to do. Some stuff is, is bothered. Some stuff with the regulation with COVID never helps. And it isn't anything political whatsoever. It, our state is pretty scrutinized about what they can do. And in, in the very beginning, I was a little worried we we're going to be in a situation where we'd have to spread stuff out. We had to be so many feet away. The masks, people wanted to take breaks. It just slowed everything up. But what happened was the exact opposite. We, we were able to still work, but the influx just built and built and built and built. Now with everything else, it's hard to get people that one, want to come in and, and do those things. But also when you go from, you know, 20, 25 schools in a, in a period of time to a hundred, or it doesn't have to be a school. It could just be an order in general. You got to deal with four times the volume with what you can work on. So I, I think it's just a logistical, you work with what you can each day. And that's the growing pains of what we still are as a small business. So some days are way easier than others. Other days it's rougher and you got to give tough answers and, and hopefully come back with the best answer you can and give as much help as you can. So from a customer service standpoint, I always say this to everybody. The last thing I want to do is have something sit here if we've got it or we're not holding anything just because we want to frustrate anybody or do anything with the supply chain because everybody's always hearing about something waiting and taking longer and it happens on a daily basis. Some of it are out of our control. So uh, the biggest frustration is wanting to please the customer and getting it to them the day after, you know, they order, but you just can't. So you just be excited and blessed that you have that many people that enjoy your product, want to keep ordering and, and come back. It's just, it's a crazy year when everybody ordered. I mean, everybody this year, when they weren't sure the season was starting, all of a sudden it was probably a month and a half. The amount of orders we got would be something we get over a four month period. So then all of a sudden you're just, and it's not scrambling, but you're dealing with something on longer hours, longer days. I, I think that is the adjustment we've had to go with as of recently. It hasn't really been like, unfortunately, some other people have where they can't find enough people to work or they can't, they can't get something in at all because it's 28 weeks behind like a house builder or something like that. That's on a whole different realm than we're at. Well, we appreciate you right here in the, uh, the ACHA doing the, uh, the good work for us. This might be kind of a stupid question, but I just, I picture myself walking down into like your man cave and seeing a Jersey from every team like you've worked with. Do you guys keep a Jersey from every team that you, you make a, a Jersey for? Uh, we did in the beginning and it was actually, wasn't for the, Oh, we did it. It was actually for an easy way for us to reference, Hey, three years from now you come back there exactly what you ordered. Do you need more of that exact jersey? We can reference templates. We keep everything on file, but seeing something in person, it, it makes it easier for a color combo or, or what have you. There is some that, you know, we've ordered extras of to hang and do things, especially uh, Maryland and, and some bigger names in the very beginning. But eventually it became a point where you have 300 jerseys of different teams of different leagues of different stuff. Eventually you're, you're just building places to put it in our totes. And I mean, we got quite a bit here that doesn't even touch it. And then eventually we either give it back to the team and say, here's something from three years ago, auction it. It was just our sample for testing and they no longer use it or you know we do donations if we have to but majority of it's just it got to the point where we we're having a new jersey every time that the team would order us first a second a third a sublimation jersey we'd hold on to for that you know military appreciation and it's great to have but eventually it was like we, we got to stop buying racks you know 
<laughs> that was where we'd get to. But from a man cave standpoint, I'm here most of the time and, and around it all the time. Then when I go home, I pretty much shift into, not that I don't want it around, but I'll keep some things like a hat or a hoodie that I've always liked or got one extra of. I usually try to keep it separate because I'll come back here and just be flooded with all the stuff we're dealing with. So it's not that I hate it, but it's definitely changed my look on hockey. I don't just watch the game anymore. I'm always like, I wonder where they got that from. And well, I wonder what material that is. And it just, it changes your look instead of just saying, oh, that was a good play. As dumb as that might sound, that's what I do a lot of times now. Talk about the publicity that you guys have gotten. I mean, Butcher Gross has been huge for you. He's made a couple appearances on Sports Center wearing your jerseys. And then uh, Sports Illustrated did a feature on you guys. What were those publicity pieces like for you? I guess like a musician hearing their something on the radio for the first time, my first thought was not that we finally made it to ESPN, but how many times can you have that first experience where you're like, oh my God, Butcher Gross is wearing a jersey that used to be right over here. I, I was holding onto that jersey before I put it in the bag or whatever in the very beginning. And you're thinking it's just a juxtaposition to think that and then think how many people are watching that. And then the influx of people reaching out saying, I saw this. Obviously, social media has been huge for us. I don't think if that if that wasn't there, we wouldn't have the growth we would. But that or the Sports Illustrated kind of, you know, I almost took as a joke because the people reached out and they were very courteous and everything. But sometimes you get those emails and you're like, I don't know what this is. You want to get information. And then eventually it spawned into realizing that it was going to be something pretty, pretty good. And then to have that name attached to it is is obviously great. You can't complain. It, it Eventually it happened so many times with Gross or he'd wear something or be on a show or support us. And he's been fantastic. I wouldn't say that it dulled, but obviously the first couple of times you're like, holy cow. And then later it's, that's awesome. Get ready for all the people to ask if they can buy a Jersey. I saw this person wear it. Where do I buy that? I'll give you the money right now. If you just give me one. And then you send out the same copy and paste email of licensing involved, reach out to the team and give them a heads up that this is coming out the pipeline. You'll probably get messages. I mean, it's going to happen with social media, but when something that connected, put something of yours out there, it's pretty exciting to see. And the fact that it's club and not just University of Notre Dame D1, the fact that he wore their club program probably before the D1 program, I don't know if that's because they didn't want to send him something or it was just cool that, that he was wanting to support that tier of it, I think is is a bit of both, but it's it's neat to see that for sure. So I know a lot of our listeners play on teams that would love to get new jerseys. I know us at Temple University would definitely need a refresh. Give us a quick little elevator pitch on why they should pick Rebirth Sports. I would say that we are going to try to look at it from first the perspective that most club hockey is going to come at where the benefit of trying to look as official as a school is going to look good, feel good, hopefully play good. That that whole saying started at, at some point. We know that there's more to it than just, can I get you a jersey in your colors? We want to build something that feels like your school it isn't just a block fawn and two coming from club sports the budget is is a huge thing so a lot of our stuff even like we did with Syracuse you have to send in a budget and give them a, t a total and there is you know a time where they have to choose between for reasons other than just a design a financial side or a communication side that hey we've done this before you know we'll work with you even local ones here central michigan is a good example we got one program and then that the school actually reached gave the other programs men's and women's the option for us to work with them and, and help them because it was a much easier chain so a selling point is just we've been there we don't want to kill you out of pocket you know we'd rather have you for 10 years than try to make a buttload of money and try to upcharge the heck out of something. All that nickel and diming and stuff is really what we've always tried to stay away from and keep it simple is here's roughly a price of a jersey. It's not going to swing. As long as you're not going to come to us with 15 stripes on the jersey, we should be able to uh, keep you in that ballpark. I mean, and we're not going to just give you something that here's something we threw together. You know, Temple, we're going to put you in Red Wings jerseys, but use the darker red. Here you go. Bye. See you later. 
we're going to look at your other sports. We're going to look at other things that are popular, try to pull something we can and, and make it unique so that when you get done, and hopefully it's it's your jersey. We did that with Florida Gators. How can you make it? They don't have really have a program other than that. How do we make it feel like it stands alone against the football team, the baseball team, basketball, whatever, and say that should go right with that branding and not cost $200 to get a blank shirt done like you see with a bigger company. Well, Doug, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. And I'm sure this will be very insightful for guys around the league, like like Glick said, who are looking at getting new jerseys for their teams, or maybe their jersey provider doesn't make the process very easy on them. So we appreciate you coming on and talking about that today. Absolutely. I appreciate the time, guys. Once again, thank you to Doug for joining us this week. That interview was presented by Selly Hockey Co. Be sure to stock up on Selly Hockey gear for the fall. Crewnecks are perfect this time of year, and Selly Hockey has plenty of new styles to choose from, including Canada Hockey hockey, Russia hockey, Minnehaha waves, and Bishop Sycamore. Sally hockey crewnecks are a classic fit with no center crease guaranteeing a comfortable fit every time. Huge shout out again to Doug from Rebirth for joining the show. I mean, he helped us. We got hockey house jerseys because of him. He helped us with that order. I know I had a great experience with him the first time around. I spoke very highly of him to the club sports department here at Syracuse to go through him for our jerseys. This whole summer was so crazy for me and he was a huge help because it was just one less thing I had to worry about. He spoke directly to trademark and licensing with Syracuse and took care of that for me. So I can't wait for our new Rebirth jerseys to come in and uh, I'm sure Doug will be posting all about them. In the meantime, though, we're going to highlight some of our favorite jerseys that Rebirth has created. We've each found at least two sets that we like. Glick, let's hear one of your choices. My favorite choice, I'd have to go with UCLA. I think both their home and the away jersey are super clean, but I'm a huge fan of the baby blue with the yellow logo. Rebirth Sports just did a great job of making it look super nice, and I'm sure most of us seen the photo of uh, Zegris and his brother rocking the uh, UCLA jersey, so a little shout out to them. Yeah, and, and shout out to the guys. I that's such a tough color combo to find a helmet for too, because it's such two unique colors. It's not quite gold where you can wear gold helmets, but they wear the royal blue helmets and pants with those. I think it's a nice clean look. It looks good when everyone's matching. Uh Herm, who did you have as your as your number one pick? I had NC State and I had Georgia Tech. I could not pick a winner between NC State's reds and NC State's new whites. I think they're both incredibly clean jerseys and love seeing them on the feed anytime our boy Zach Selya posts about them. Uh, and then Georgia Tech's script jerseys are kind of a deviation from like a classic script look. And their color combo stands out really, really well. Are you talking about the the gray one with the script on the front? Yes. Yeah. No, that's a that's a good look too. And Glick, uh, going back to you, what did you have as your honorable mention? My honorable mention. It's kind of in the same color family, but Coastal Carolina University. And uh, one thing I really like about them is their away jerseys most teams have like an a white away jersey they have this like off-white cream jersey which i think is really nice touch yeah it reminds me a bit of uh that rangers winter classic jersey from from their first time playing the game against philly my personal favorite from rebirth the jersey they designed for university of florida uh i love the the gator teeth as the stripe pattern mimics what the florida everblades do in the echl it's a clean look i like that they go with the black as their road jersey too. I think both the black and the white look really good. My honorable mention, uh, I mean, hot off the press, Central Michigan released these when they made it to nationals last year. They've got the gold one with all the stripes. The dark jersey is a maroon one. 
I like that they kind of go without a white jersey. I think going with yellow and maroon is cool because no matter what, you're always going to get a lot of color in the jerseys. But I mean, Rebirth does a phenomenal job, and I think they've been huge. I, I know Butcher Grass wears a ton of their jerseys when when he was going through that phase of showing up on TV wearing college hockey jerseys, and they were a big part of it. And I think it was really cool to see how many big name schools they got right off the jump. Forgot to recap it in the rundown earlier, but goal of the year candidate coming out of, of Weber State pretty early on here in the year. I know we've talked about all the Michigan moves we've already seen. Really cool to see Willie Faubert pretty much dangle everybody in a Boise State uniform. Four guys in an end-to-end rush and then tucked it past the goalie. Uh, I made the comment he dangled everybody but the bus driver. Kind of reminded me of like like a Paul Correa back in his U-Main days or, or vintage Bobby Orr. Like no matter what happened, nobody could knock him off the puck. Great play. Shout out to Herm for picking that up on the live stream when he tuned in, but glad we could post that one because that, that'll certainly be a goal of the year candidate when we look back on this year. Oh, I mean, I'm just re-watching it and it's just, it's incredible. I just can't stop watching this goal. And then Herm noted too, later that game, he almost had another goal just like it. He went end to end and nobody could knock him off the puck. Shout out to Willie Faubert for that goal and shout out to the guys from Weber State for sharing the heck out of that video too. Got a lot of views and, and that was cool to see. We're going to head out west for the game of the week. Uh, we've got UNLV taking on Central Oklahoma. Central Oklahoma is the home team there at, and that's a barn that's just been rocking all year for the Broncos right off the bat. That's a team that didn't get to play last year. Good to see fans back. I know UNLV's had a ton of fan support so far too, but this is a highly anticipated matchup between two teams that are ranked pretty high in Division 1. Yeah, we had posted about this on our Instagram story because we got a reply to the rankings as UNLV moved up from the 10th spot to number 8 and UCO moved up from 11 to 10. Both teams have really been on fire right now, not only on the ice, but on social media. And we expect there to be a lot of great content to come out of this game. Honorable mention for this week also goes out to Ohio University and Iowa State. Two top 10 ranked teams that are playing their first CSCHL matchups of the season. Iowa State being 8-0 to kick things off and the Bobcats are 6-1. It's always intense when the Cyclones and Bobcats go up against each other at Bird Arena 2. Always a great time. Yeah, I know Iowa State's got some sharp looking uniforms this year. Classic look. Those are colors you kind of can't go wrong with. Looking forward to that. I know Herm, you mentioned that the Bobcats have been rolling with that white alternate jersey so far at home, so we can expect them to wear that again i would imagine so third game too. honorable mention another highly anticipated division one acha matchup the wildcats of university of arizona will travel to tempe to play the arizona state sun devils uh nice little interstate rivalry one that on a larger scale in tucson will get pretty close to a sellout crowd but uh this is the final year of oceanside arena for the varsity sun devil team so this will be i'm sure a, a highly anticipated matchup out in the west and we look forward to seeing the results from this one and that just about wraps up episode 40 once again thank you for tuning in if you have any highlights from the weekend send us a dm so we can be sure to post them and and share them with the rest of the college hockey world we've loved everything we've received so far this season and we look forward to covering even more of it as we we continue to play on and look forward to talking to you guys next week see you boys next week